just like that, we made it to Friday. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf. You got Nick Wright. You got Brandon Marshall. You got Kevin Wilds. We got ourselves a phenomenal Jenna and Brandon, you guys show. look great today. You look great. And what does that mean? <laughs> what about Wilds? No. What does that leave? Oh, Wilds is here. What about Wilds? Wearing a tie. Trying to make us look bad. That's all. We look good. We feel good. There's an incredible schedule of football coming up this week. Got some baseball to talk about. But let's kick us off with the game in the NFC East last night. Giants and Eagles and a crazy ending to this one. Philly found themselves down 11. Just over six minutes left. Carson Wentz leading two fourth quarter touchdown drives. And the Eagles just barely edge out Big Blue. They get win number two. They move into first place for now in the NFC East. Here's quarterback Carson Wentz after the win. We said, hey, I mean, there wasn't a lot of time, but we said, hey, there's enough time. There's enough time. We got to just keep believing and just take it one play at a time. Obviously, we were in turbo on the ball, two-minute mode um, the rest of the game. But, I mean, the, the same thing that I echo every game when we're down. Hey, just keep believing. Just one play at a time, and the big play is going to hit. It's going to happen, and, and John had the big one on that first drive, and obviously Boston the second drive. And, and guys, just keep believing and keep rallying together, and that's what it's going to take to win a lot of these ball games. All right, Brandon, you look at last night's game. Was it more about yeah. uh, the Eagles coming back or the New York Giants blowing it? Definitely about the Eagles coming back. I love watching Carson Wentz last night. Uh, it was one of those games where you tune in and you're like, ah, oh, look at this division. We've been crushing this division. It's the worst division in history of sports. And then you look at the records like, oh, is this going to be a good game? <laughs> I really enjoyed the game. There were so many storylines. I was thinking about, wow, now is this going to turn into a, a three-team division race? You know, now if the Giants win, are we going to be talking about the Giants potentially winning division? You got Carson, Wils uh, Carson Wentz playing lights out at times. I thought as his playmakers made plays, he got better. He overcame the offensive line play. You finally saw those young uh, wide receivers step up and make some key plays down the stretch. Uh, and then on the other side, yeah, there, there was some of the Giants blowing it, of course. You know, Evan Ingram, he got to step up and, and be the guy that they drafted him to be. He can easily be a pr premier tight end in this league, but in those big moments, he plays little. So I enjoyed watching the game, Nick. There were so many storylines. I don't know about you, but I was like, man, is this going to turn into a three-team race now? But it didn't. Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram will be the guy they, they drafted him to be when he's a Patriot next year after they get him for a conditional yep. seventh-round pick yep. and he turns his career exactly. around. Uh, the, this game is more about the Eagles because, let's be honest, every game the Giants play – is going to either be wholly irrelevant or only relevant because of their opponent. The next time the Giants are a competitive team, they will have a new general manager and a new quarterback. I don't know if they'll have a new coach or not. But the Giants don't, for all intents and purposes, matter in the 2020 football season. The reason the Eagles matter a little bit is because this year, while it's still going to be something of a lost year, whether they win the division or not, is going to be a hinge year for Carson Wentz. And last night was a great example of it. He did make some great plays. That, that pass to Boston Scott 
was a 10 out of 10. Perfect. It was absolutely elite. Yep. That yeah. is a perfect pass in any situation, much less the situation where they were in, which was if you weren't watching the game, <clears throat> they had a first and goal from the two. Uh, Kelsey gets a face mask penalty to where all of a sudden it's a first and goal from the 17, and they only have 40 seconds. So time, score, situation, and degree of difficulty of pass, that's perfect. But in the same game, Carson also threw a horrifying interception inexplicably that took points off the board for Philly. And so <laughs> what I'm interested in with Philadelphia Wilds is who is the real Carson Wentz? Last night we didn't get an answer, but you saw kind of the good and the bad of him. So to me, this was more about Philadelphia preventing their season from going totally off the rails and Wentz having a nice rallying moment like he almost had last week against Baltimore, by the way. And yep. they were down 16, almost came all the way back and see if they can if they can salvage something from this season. Nick, you know that uh, flight that Su Captain Sully landed in the uh, East River? Yeah. No, Hudson River. Hudson. Got my rivers confused. Linda. Yeah. That's, it was, it, that's what that game reminded me of. If you got off that flight and someone asked you, like, hey, how was it? Like, well, I'll be honest with you. It, it ended really well, but it was a little hairy <laughs> there. Right? It wasn't fantastic. <laughs> Carson Wentz had one play, and if we can run it, Katanic, and I'll, I'll quote you what Troy Aikman said while watching this play on the replay. All of you young quarterbacks watching on your couch, don't do this. You will not finish the game as the quarterback. So then I started to think, man, we're getting close to Jalen Hurts' time here. This is insane. Shortly after this, he threw his uh, league-leading 10th interception, and next thing you know, he wins the game. So this guy, Brandon, you may have liked the roller coaster. I don't think Eagles fans do. I think Carson Wentz needs to believe in himself a little less. Just do normal stuff, dude. Stop watching Mahomes highlights. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's listen, first and 10. I can see if the game was on the line. Right. Yeah, absolutely right. All right. So we discussed Carson Wentz. I'd be remiss if I didn't discuss the opposing quarterback, Daniel Jones, and yeah. the play we're all talking about Whoa. this morning. Daniel Jones taken off in the third. Nothing but green grass in front of him. But, but, <laughs> watch, out, buddy. watch out for literally nothing. Danny Dimes trips up just shy the goal line. He got 80 yards. The guy needed 88 for the touchdown. Patrick Mahomes chimed in with this tweet. I mean, I can't even say anything because I would never be able to run that far either. Brandon, was Daniel Jones' 80-yard run a highlight or a low light? <laughs> it's definitely a low light, but I'm like Patrick Mahomes. I, I would never be in this position. This was not my game. And I think that's probably why he fell, because when you get an open field, the only thing you think about is, wow, that guy on the other side that we were scouting, he ran a 4-2-5. This guy ran a 4-3. He's going to come get me. It's just unfamiliar territory for guys like him, even myself. Oh, so it just freaks you out when you're in open space. I actually did this in like Monday Night Football against the Jets. Cromartie chasing me and I just tripped. I can I can get it. I understand it. Nick, I'm going with both. I'm calling it a highlight, low light, maybe or a high low light. There's three other ones to think about it in your category. One, when John Morant misses a dunk, those amazing miss John Morant's on highlight low light. Two, old Kansas City, Bo Jackson strikes out, breaks the bat over his knee. Highlight low light. Daniel Jones joins the club now. All right, so this is obviously <laughs> okay. a low light. 
It's going to be on, do we still do blooper reels or was that just a thing from the 80s? Yeah. If there are blooper reels, no. it's going to be on it for, for this year and oh. honestly for the next few years of the NFL. It's a meme now and a little window into how I was watching the game. I had my, I, my daughter was with me even though it was late at night because she was sitting with me and my wife watching the debate. We had the game on mute and had the debate with the sound on. I, I didn't have my eyes on the screen when this happened. And my daughter says, Daddy, that football player just did a somersault. And I said, what? And I looked up and I saw the replay of Daniel Jones flipping about. So, yeah, that's a low light for anybody ever. And Brandon, once again, proving his worth as the nicest man on sports television. Like, oh, don't feel bad. I once did this against Cromartie. Someone find me that tape because I guarantee it doesn't quite did, look well, like this one from old Danny well, Drops. Well, yeah, no, yeah, I didn't fall. I just ran out of bounds. <laughs> and the general manager oh, right. exactly the next day and yeah, asked me the question. Like he said, how did you do that? I, just, <laughs> I gracefully, like a gazelle, just leaped yeah. out of bounds. Again, yeah. Philly with the win. And they now take over first place in the weakest division in the history of sports. Take a turn, talk some Seahawks now. Is this the weekend they get handed their first loss? The Cardinals think so, but do we? Next, first things first. Uh, all right, let's talk the big uh, NFC West showdown this weekend. Oh, wow, I am putting them on. Look at all these words I never saw. Russell Wilson and the undefeated Seahawks traveling to Arizona take on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. It's going to be a fun one. So both quarterbacks coming into this season with MVP hopes. Russ appears to be running away with it, though. 19 touchdowns, three picks, as his Seahawks remain one of three undefeated teams left in the NFL. And Brandon, I know you love the Seahawks this year. Don't count out Kyler Murray, though. Do you think the Seahawks should be on upset alert? Three and a half point road favorites uh, against the Cardinals in this one. Uh, I'm not going to count them out. And, and, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this time to get ahead of the story. So, yes, mm. the Seahawks should be scared. This team is dangerous. This team oh. can come in and easily get this win. I, I hate to say it. But I'm going to try to get ahead of this story right now, okay, because I okay. picked the Seattle Good Seahawks ahead. to win the Super Bowl. And I've been high on the Seahawks from day one. I still Smart. believe in them. But this team is dangerous. And then you got to look at this dynamic. On the offensive side, Kyler Murray and this team can do it all. He can run the ball. They can run the ball. He has, you know, D-Hop. He has Larry, the old man wondered, Larry Fitzgerald, that's still getting it done. <laughs> and then on the defensive side over there in Seattle, they are the worst in the league. So when you have those guys yeah, on buddy. that side that that's so dynamic and so dangerous, you have to be you have to be scared. You but have Brandon. to be a little bit wary. Um, but I know they'll have their mindset right. So guys, come on, let's go. This is not the week to do it. Brandon, 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 <laughs> my friend, you pick Seattle. I know. I'm getting hit of the story. I'm you getting picked. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on. You picked Russ <laughs> to win league MVP, and yeah. yesterday yeah. on this very show, you made quite the bold <laughs> proclamation that I think you thought I was going to let slide, but I was just waiting for today. You said Seattle also has the best wide receiver in the NFL in DK Metcalf, oh, oh. so why should they ever be on upset alert? 
The Cardinals, yeah, they looked great against the Cowboys. Kyler completed nine passes total in that game. So I believe the Cardinals should be on upset, or the Seahawks should be on upset alert. I believe the Seahawks have been playing with fire all year. That they damn near lost to the Patriots, came down to a yard. They needed a fourth down conversion to beat the Cowboys, and they should have lost to the Vikings. That fourth and inches play is still giving me nightmares. Last leg of a money line parlay. Yeah. Thanks a lot, uh, Vikings offensive line. <laughs> but the the like so I, I agree. Seattle should be on upset alert, even though I'm not as high on Arizona as some. I am shocked. That you are opening the possibility, though, that the, I mean, what what do you think it's going to take to beat Seattle? 50 points? Hey, Got the hey, best listen, wide receiver, the best, the best quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but you also got D Hop, who can also be in that conversation as the best wide receiver. And you got Kyler Murray. Oh. He looks like, I, like, is he Patrick Mahomes with a mix of Michael Vick? Like, this dude does some things on the field that we haven't seen before. He's shaking guys two or three times in one play, in one move. So, yes, I am a little nervous, and Seattle should be nervous because when you see what they have on that defensive side, it's nothing. It's nothing. They have nobody to slow these guys right. down. This is a bad, bad, bad defense. This is not the Seattle Seahawks of old. This is not the Legion of Boom. Richard Sherman is not walking in that door to stop these guys. Brandon, 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 we know that you're trying to have some take integrity here. You know that Seattle's defense gives up 471 yards per game. Through yes. five games, they've given up 2,356 total yards. It's the most since when? Does anybody know? Bueller, class, maybe greatest show on turf, maybe Tom Brady? Nope. Give it to 1950, me. The 1950 Colts <laughs> who went 1-11 and lost their final game to a team called the New York Yanks, who are a baseball team. The New York Yankees came out and <laughs> wow. beat them. And, Kyle, and they're giving up 370 air yards. They're horrible. They're horrible. And poor Mike yeah. Nolan is like, why are you guys always banging on me? Seattle's got the worst defense in the world. They're so bad, Dan Quinn yeah. might come in and ride to the rescue to save their defense. So, Brandon, we know that you picked them. Just be nope. honest and don't try to have take integrity like Nick. I got to stick with my pick no matter what. No, let him explain Who wins it. this game? Who wins this game? I'm just trying to get yes. ahead of the story, guys. I, I still, no, no, still no, no, want to no, no, pick no, no, Seattle. No, no, no. I, I'm still. <laughs> okay. You are picking Seattle because you know because you, are picking because, Seattle, you know but you wouldn't come be shocked here, if we Arizona come in here Monday. They moved the game to Sunday night Thank football. Uh, Arizona. This is back to back primetime games. It's just a perfect storm. Not every. When's the last time a team went undefeated? Wilds, right? Like it just doesn't happen all the time. I know your team yeah, did it no, in the regular season, but before then it was. Brandon, a, it just doesn't happen. This is the game. This is no, the game. No. This is so. This is a so. I, I think I think because I get the point. You're, you're a little boxed in and fighting yourself out of the corner. So I understand what's happening here. <laughs> Gun to your head, you would pick Seattle, but you would not be shocked yes. if Arizona puts up 450 yards, 38 points, and wins. So I want to I want to yeah. kind of move the conversation forward in a different way, because I, I said I think around week three. You know who the 2020 Seattle Seahawks are? They're the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs, a team whose offense mm. cannot be slowed down, whose quarterback is going to win league MVP, but whose defense ultimately will be their undoing. So my question to you is, are what, from the numbers Wilds gave, 
Are these defensive problems fixable? Is it as simple as Jamal Adams hasn't been playing? They gave up a boatload of picks for him. Let him get there, add some toughness. Let it, or is this as great as Russ and the offense has been in the back of your mind as someone that did pick him to go to the Super Bowl? Is it a massive concern yep. or is it just a slight concern? No, it's a massive concern. I mean, you can't fix this. And, and there's a couple problems here. Number one, you just don't have the players. They're banged up. They can't get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Irvin went down early in the season. They already had yep. some issues. They let Clowney go. And then on the back end, uh, they do the same thing. They Since Pete Carroll has came, come into the NFL, he's done the same thing. Like, I still have notebooks on notebooks of how to beat this 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 defense. So when you think about them going into this bye week, because they're coming off a bye, most teams sit back and say, okay, let's fix these issues. They can't fix them. One, because they don't have the personnel. And two, he's not going to change his scheme. Every once in a while, they may throw in a corner blitz. Every once in a while, they may bring a safety. But for the most part, they're playing cover three zone. They're playing man. That's what they do. Yeah. And you you can literally, you can make them do what you want them to do. If you go three by one on third down and you want to put Tyreek Hill at that three position, pretty much the extended tight end, and take him on a, on a big crossing route, he's going to be matched up against who? Yep. K.J. Wright. Everyone in the NFL does it. So they're too predictable and they don't have the personnel. Maybe Antonio Brown and I said, is not I used, the answer. I used Tyreek as an example because that that's defense. the team that blew the top off. That's and right. And Daniel Jones no, went no, for a run course. last it night. Sense. It was a long, fast, incredible run, right up until the point where he stopped running. And that, my friends, is the NFC East. This is First Things First. Danny fumbles. Now Danny stumbles. A healthy lifestyle should be easy, right? Eat veggies, drink green smoothies, exercise to get your heart rate up, do yoga to bring your heart rate down. Woo! Maybe it's not so easy, but there is something that helps improve everything, and you can do it with your eyes closed. It's sleep. Sleep Number knows what it takes to sleep your best. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed lets you choose your ideal firmness, comfort, and support on each side your sleep number setting. It's the perfect solution for couples. These beds are so smart. They respond to your every move and they automatically adjust to keep you sleeping comfortably all night. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, introducing the new temperature balancing sleep number 360 smart bed. For a limited time, save up to $1,000 on the new 360 smart bed plus smart adjustable base only at Sleep Number stores or www.sleepnumber.com slash cadence. For a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. It's also a gym, a bakery, and a barber shop. And if you're a business owner or a people manager, home might also be where you do your hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place. ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. No matter where you're hiring from, ZipRecruiter does the work for you. How? Well, ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you and you stand out from the competition. 
And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, First Things First listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com approach. That's ZipRecruiter.com approach, A-P-P-R-O-A-C-H. ZipRecruiter.com approach. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now, the stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension, that's a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now, it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com FTF right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com FTF, theragun.com FTF. To play a little drawing a blank. And man, I can't see this play enough. Danny Dimes takes off nothing but green grass in front of him right up until he's no longer running. Paint the house, Daniel. So, Brandon, Daniel Jones' 80-yard touch, not touchdown run, touchdown run and stumble, run and stumble was blank. It was confusing. I didn't know if I should be cheering for this guy or embarrassed because I've been in this moment before on the big (laughs) stage. And I literally ran out of bounds. Antonio Cromartie was chasing me, so I get it. But 21 miles per hour isn't a joke. My fastest time ever in the NFL was actually when I played for the Giants, and I clocked 20 miles per hour. This guy is faster than me, but he got to work on his leg strength, Jenna. He needs to come work out with you. Okay. Any day. Hold on a second. (laughs) Yes, Wild. He's right. And Nick is correct. Take it back. Not not the Jennifer. (laughs) Take back that. Daniel Jones is faster than you. Retract that he hit 20, it's right num- now. You're a numbers guy. You're a numbers guy. Numbers don't yes. lie. He hit 21.8. Yeah. I clocked like 20.4. The right fastest ever. Right hit the ground. Okay, all right. I, that, he was moving, bro. That I'm, wasn't my game. I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit something I'm supposed to admit on television. What do you got? I'm Nick? rattled right now. Brandon Marshall saying Daniel Jones is faster than him has rattled me. Listen, this is well, a stumble in the right think direction. Think about this. And here's why. A stumble. Yeah, let me tell you why. Because he, he, when he was going to the ground here, I thought, oh, he's going to fall and fumble. But he didn't fumble. He saved the backbreaking fumble for the final play of the game. So it's a stumble in the right direction. He waited 59 and a half minutes in this game until he lost his first fumble, which is one of the longest times he's ever gone in any game he's ever played. So he fell, but he didn't fumble. So it's a stumble in the right direction. Wise. I, oh, I think it's 100% a highlight with a little dash of low light in it. It's just like when Bo Jackson struck out and would break his bat or when John Morant misses an awesome dunk and we still put it on his highlight reels. It's still a highlight, but just a little sprinkle of low light. It's okay. Okay, I'll take that. Let's move on to New England now where Jimmy G making his big return to Foxborough. First time as the Niners starting quarterback to face his old team. 
But Brandon, the player you're most excited to watch in week seven is blank. Coming off a bye, I'm gonna say it every week, dangerous, Russell Wilson. Come on, it's the MVP. Come on, I ask you all, every week, Nick, I ask you, when you tune in to watch NBA, who are you tuning in to watch? LeBron James, he's the best in the business. So for me, Russell Wilson is not gonna change, guys. It's not gonna change. Okay. Right. Okay, well, mine does occasionally change. This week, though, player I'm most excited to watch in week seven, Snow Mahomes. Snow game Patrick yeah. Mahomes. You check the forecast in KC, oh, where expect a massive snowstorm. Last time they played the Broncos in a snowstorm, all Mahomes did was throw for 350 on 80% completions. Defensive backs sliding all over the place, not knowing where to go. Tyreek Hill streaking open. So Snow Mahomes is Ooh. my answer, Kevin Wilds. I like that, Snow Mahomes. I like Snow Mahomes. I'm going with uh, Brady and Gronk. They're back, first touchdown of the year last week. If they get one more, they move into uh -oh. second place for hookups, tying Steve Young and Jerry Rice. First place still Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison, but they would get into the record books one more. So they're back. Big win for the Bucks whenever they're going to play. All right, we head to Washington now. Zeke and the Cowboys coming in favored by half a point. They can move into first place in the NFC East for the win. I got two words for that division. Watered down. Brandon, the team that should be on upset alert in week seven is blank. Yeah. <laughs> Seahawks versus the Cardinals. I'm not picking them. Oh, They're not going to win the game, but I want to use this time what? to tell my pick, the Seattle Seahawks, my Super Bowl pick. Guys, this, is, this cannot be a trap game. Be on high alert. This team is dangerous. They can do it all. Okay, so I want to use this time to just speak to the, the Seattle guys out there in that locker room. Let's go. Either way. Okay. All right, so listen. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I'm not going to win the million dollars this week. So I've got to make it up elsewhere, and I'm going to help you guys make some money as well. I'm going to give you a oh, double good. dip upset alert. All of <clears throat> Los Angeles could upset their opponents. You have the Jags taking on the Chargers. They're getting seven and a half. This feels like a game where Gardner Minshew plays well and Jenna is obnoxious on Monday. The Jags plus seven and a half. Yeah! Even the Jags outright. And then the other L.A. team, Monday night, how about the Rams taking on those underrated 5-1 Chicago Bears? Rams favored by 6. I think the Bears can win outright, certainly cover the 6. So America, Jacksonville plus 7.5 against the Chargers, get their second win of the year. Gardner plays well, and the Bears continue to be underrated, and the Bears have been a covering machine for me this year, baby. So both L.A. teams, Chargers and Rams, should be on upset alert, Kevin Wilds. Well, you know who it is, actually. It's the Chiefs. And Brandon, remember how you oh, were sparring sure. with Evander Holyfield? Now, imagine if you beat <laughs> Evander Holyfield, and then the following <laughs> week you had to fight some, like, random featherweight. You'd be very confident. That's what the Broncos came in and knocked out the heavyweight champion of New England Patriots. Now they got to go play, huh? you know, the Chiefs at home in the snowstorm. I'd put, I'd, I would be, my confidence would be sky high. So I put the Chiefs on upset alert. You can't, you can't no get Harry Vander no with way. the Patriots. 
On to New Orleans, where Drew Brees' top target, Michael <laughs> Thomas, tweaked a hamstring in practice yesterday. It's been one heck of a season for him. His status up in the air for Sunday's game against the Panthers. So, Brandon, the team that most needs a win in Week 7 is blank. It has to be the Cowboys. And if any of you guys say anything different, then I'm, I just you just lose okay. all credibility with me. It's the Cowboys. Like a <laughs> wow. tough week in the nice. news. I mean, everybody's about to get fired. I mean, they, they, they have to go out there and get it done. And I'm also <laughs> predicting that this is the week that they play a clean game, that they don't throw the ball to the other team, that Zeke doesn't fumble it and continue this streak. And I also predict that they're finally going to be able to understand cover three quarters. Whatever they're calling, I know that these guys are going to know their job. So I'm predicting that the Cowboys okay. play a clean game. Might lose all, all right, credibility so, if it's not Cowboys here, Nick. <laughs> well, credibility about to Cowboys. What team was this talk of the NFL this week? What team skyrocketed up the rankings the most? People are all of a sudden saying, you know what? Not just division contenders, Super Bowl contenders. The answer is the Tampa Bay Bucks. And if they end up losing to the Raiders, the Raiders who are dealing with players lost to COVID, don't even know when the game's going to be, all of that progress they made by beating up the Packers evaporates. So while you might say well, they're 4-2, and two, why do they need a win? Because what a loss would mean for them in the bigger picture of what they can accomplish this season. So my answer, credibility gone, evidently, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers shot. All right, Brandon, I'm going to well, we try to hold on Cowboys. to my credibility card here and say the Browns and then Battle of Ohio ah. part two. Oh, a good Baker ah. needs good this answer. win. Or yeah. or I'll, yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give you a little, this will hurt my credibility. If Baker plays awesome and they lose, probably okay too. So maybe that takes my credibility. He had a bad game against the Steelers. He was hurt and the Steelers have the number one pass rush in the NFL. Well, the Bengals don't and he got another week to heal. He's got to play well, and Odell, I hate to say it, should probably keep his shoes on the whole game. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Uh, uh, let's move on. Is it me, or are all the teams in the NFC East playing hot potato with the top spot? Carson Wentz and the Eagles now own it, but just barely after last night. Highlights. First things first. Next. Wednesday night, the Rays battle back to tie the World Series at one game apiece, and that sets the stage for a pivotal Game 3 with the Dodgers tonight, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, only on Fox and the Fox Sports app. Nick, what do the Dodgers need to do to get the win tonight? Well, they're going to get the win. Walker Bueller is going to pitch great. It's going to be a 4-2 Dodgers win. We've been getting out baseball winners all World Series. Let's go Dodgers money line and the under. The under, the total for this game is eight runs. I don't think there'll be more than six scored. Bueller goes at seven innings, two earned, pitches great. Dodgers bullpen takes care of the rest. Mookie Betts scores a run. Very, very specific preview prediction. 4-2 Dodgers to take a 2-1 series lead. Add a stolen base. I've literally That's never all. heard a more specific prediction in my entire life. Take you to the bank, of all America. Seventy-five years of broadcasting. Back to our top story this morning: Thursday night football, Giants Eagles, and a crazy ending. Giants age. with an eleven-point lead with six minutes to go. Seems like a pretty safe lead unless you play in the NFC East, where it's literally anyone's division. Last night, Eagles stepped up. Carson Wentz, two fourth-quarter touchdown drives. 
Eagles win, but just barely. They get win number two. They move into first place for now in the NFC East. And here is Carson Wentz after the win. We said, hey, I mean, there wasn't a lot of time, but we said, hey, there's enough time. There's enough time. we got to just keep believing and just take it one play at a time. Obviously, we were in turbo on the ball, two-minute mode um, the rest of the game. But, I mean, the, the same thing that I echo every game when we're down. Hey, just keep believing. Just one play at a time, and the big play is going to hit. It's going to happen, and, and John had the big one on that first drive, and obviously Boston the second drive. And, and guys, just keep believing and keep rallying together, and that's what it's going to take to win a lot of these ball games. Oh, I think there's going to be a lot of believing to win in this division. Michael Vick joins us now this morning. Mike, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Let's start there. Was last night more about the Eagles coming back or about the Giants blowing it? It was a little bit of both. I, I think the Eagles, uh, they did what they needed to do at the moment of truth, man. Um, you know, just being in a, another situation where they was down and, and when we thought probably thought that they was – not going to come back and win the football game. And I'm saying to myself, this is going to be another disaster and more news to talk about tomorrow. And then Carson Wentz steps up the way he's supposed to. And, uh, you know, he leads a big drive, two big drives, and the defense stepped up. And I think uh, for the New York Giants, you know, this would be a learning experience for them. They'll learn how to keep a lead and the defense will figure out how to go out and get stops when they needed the most. So I, I think the Philadelphia Eagles, they certainly put themselves in a position, even with everything going on, guys getting hurt, the offensive line still being banged up, guys going in and out of the lineup. Carson Wentz found a way to bring the team back, and I thought it was a good win for the franchise last night. Yeah, Mike, this was definitely more about the Eagles because they're more relevant. And I thought the same thing when I was watching the game. I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm really enjoying this. Because when you when you approach this game, you're thinking about, well, the division, it's a bad division, it's a terrible division. And you look at their records, like, it's, oh, they're, they're, they're not good teams. And then you turn on the game, and there's actually some good football being played. But I thought about that as well. I'm like, so if they lose this game, that means now we're talking more about the Giants, who's not playing well, and now it's a three-team division race. Like, that's what we're going to be talking about. And, that, and I just didn't want to get into the storyline, so I thought the same thing. I thought Carson Wentz overcame his offensive line play. They've been banged up all year. And finally, he had got some help from his younger wide receivers. And the more plays that they made, the better he looked. If you go back to week one, week two, he was pressing. He still pressed a little bit this past game, but his feet was horrible in the pocket. His arm didn't look yeah. good. And last night, you can see him look like a golfer, sit in the pocket, take his time. Feet look great. Arm look crisp. So I thought Carson Wentz progressed and got better. He didn't do too much in that second half, and that's why they got the win, because he just stayed poised. I, I want to ask you a question, Vic. Because it, it with certainly with Wentz and a little bit with Daniel Jones as well, what you have is a quarterback that if I just showed you their 10 best throws, you would say, oh, that can be a great quarterback in this league. But if I showed you their 10 biggest mistakes, you would say, oh, well, that guy's never going to make it. When you are evaluating quarterbacks, what to you gives you more confidence? The for lack of a better example, the Teddy Bridgewater lane, where it's the great throws aren't that great, but the mistakes are minimal. You know what I mean? A guy who's not going to wreck the car, not going to yeah. wow you with anything. Or 
the more Carson Wentz lane where it's like, oh my God, that throw to Boston Scott was amazing. And then on the other hand, it's like, oh my God, that interception in the end zone, how do you make that mistake? So like for you, when you're evaluating a quarterback, what gives you more confidence? How they play in the moment and in the moment of truth when, you know, the game is on the line, okay. uh, when, you know, they're facing the deficit, when they got to come back. Uh, you know, I evaluate them throughout the course of the game, um, but it's, it's more so when the pressure's on, uh, when I'm paying close attention to, you know, the decision making. Um, you know, are they rattled? Are they poised? Um, do they have what it takes in, in, internally uh, to, to bring their team back? And, and can they can they stay in it and not get antsy? And, and, and watching Carson Wentz last night, you know, it was mixed emotion. You know, I seen balls flying <laughs> cross body back across the field. You know, I seen some yeah. errant, some errant throws, and then you know, I see some amazing plays. And so, so I'm watching and not really getting a, a feel of what's really happening and what's taking place. But then in the end, they find a way to win the game. And I'm looking at Carson like, you know, this is how it needs to be done. It wasn't pretty, but you got it done. So, you know, I'm looking at a little bit of everything, but I think what has to stand out is how the decisions that they make, you know, in the moment. Yeah, I'm going to go another way, Mike. I'm going to put a moratorium on Carson Wentz watching any Patrick Mahomes highlights or any Michael Vick highlights. Because it's a little <laughs> bit when I look up a recipe, I'm going to try to cook. And I'm like, wow, that's how you chop an onion? I'm going to do that. And they're like, wop, wop, wop. And then you take it upstairs. And you're like, oh, I'm going to cut my fingers off. This was a play in the second quarter. And, Mike, this is what Troy Aikman said. All you young quarterbacks watching on your couch, don't do this. You will not yeah, finish absolutely. the game as the quarterback. So this is just right. bonkers. I think the guy is, believes in himself a little too much. And I know that's like their sixth offensive line, and maybe he has to do this. But to me, I think he just needs to throw the ball away and stop trying to make things happen, Mike. Uh, no, like like Brandon said, this this is Carson Wentz pressing. And, and when you got the media barreling down on you, we got us talking about you each and every week and trying to get the best out of you then you're going to try to get the best out of yourself. And I understand Carson in those moments, but like Troy Aikman said last night, you still have to be cautious. And like I said, you have to still be able to be poised and make good decisions, you know, when the team needs you the most. And those are, you know, desperation situations, but that's when you got to be at your best. That's why you get paid the big bucks. And, and Wilds, this is, this is a game is a great example as to why, and I know you give me a hard time about it, why I try not to be so results-based in how we evaluate players and teams based just on, yeah, well, they won in the end. Because Carson Wentz's best moment, best throw of the night was that pass to Boston Scott. It was a 10 out of 10. But he does not have the opportunity to make that throw. And instead, we are talking about what a disaster of a game this was for Philly. If Evan Ingram can make a catch that every player in the NFL would make outside of maybe Tom Brady Wait. in the Super Bowl. A perfectly thrown pass right in front of his hands <laughs> that he drops. And so, like, I just, I don't, so I, I think we've got to be fair and honest about Philly here. You do feel good about the fact they found a way to win. But that was in part because the Giants created another right. new way to lose, Brandon. And so when you were saying, you know, you're glad we're not talking about it being a three-team race, I think it's still a four-team race, Jenna. 
I think even Washington's still alive. Washington oh, damn near no. beat the Giants right. last week. Came down to a Listen. Well, nobody's got more than two right. wins. Like, no, none of these teams, Jenna, do I believe are going to go on a sustained winning streak here. So that's what I was I was going to ask you before we move on. I want to ask you about Daniel Jones. I was going to say after last night, does anyone suddenly feel, OK, now now I feel more confident in the Eagles. And because of what Nick just said, because it was a little more of what the Giants gave away than what the Eagles did, maybe a little bit of both. I think we're in the exact same spot that we were before they even played the game. But let us talk about the other quarterback on the opposing team, Daniel Jones. We got a little Michael Vick experience here getting into that. Michael, Ooh. we need your take on D. Jones' 80-yard run. Should have been an 88-yard yes. touchdown run, if not for literally nothing, that tripped him up shy of the end zone. Please, my friend, break this one down for us. Well, I just had a funny feeling that this was going to happen before it even happened, that Daniel Jones wasn't going to sustain in the open <laughs> field. You know, he got the defensive flow one way. And he had an open lane. It was the Michael Vick experience for about eight seconds. And then it all of a sudden turned into the Daniel Jones experience. And you know what? I'm just glad that they finished the drive. So we don't have to talk about this all day today. <laughs> Daniel Jones experience. Yeah, ladies totally and experience. It's brutal. If they didn't score, this would have been a terrible, terrible, terrible moment for him. It would have been right. so much worse. But look, Mike. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you've never done this before because you're a guy that actually experienced this over this. and over and over again, always was in the open field. For me, I never was in the open field. That wasn't my game. There was an off season where I actually had to work on picking up my legs and actually running with great form because there was times where I was like, I'm running like a duck right now and I will always get caught. So I spent the entire offseason trying to do this because I wasn't a fast guy like you and some of these yeah. other uh, amazing athletes in the NFL. Yeah, I was more faster in spurts and in bursts. I wasn't a long, I wasn't a long distance runner. So honestly, I can understand how Daniel Jones couldn't complete this run because that's like the boogeyman. Oh my God. It's no excuse. Oh my God! Well, Vic and Vernon are too nice. They're great Mike guys. Mike Vic yep, could have turned guys. around at the forty and moonwalked into the end zone, and nobody would have caught him, and he wouldn't have fallen down. Vic being like, "Oh, I was more short burst." Yeah, right. All right. Tough yeah, one right. for Daniel Jones. Tough one for the Giants. Giants, by the way, now one and six. So. Uh, Seahawks looking to remain undefeated this weekend. The Cardinals have other plans. Nick will tell you why Seattle isn't a lock to walk away a winner. Next, first things first. Time to run the no huddle. The Ravens worked out Des Bryant and are expected to sign him to the practice squad. For planning purposes, the last time Des Bryant played in a game, December of 2017. Brandon, can Dez be a factor for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? Yes, now he can, absolutely. But when they brought him in a couple months back, he wasn't ready. He didn't have the pop. He didn't have the quickness uh, in his mid-range game. He didn't. He took too long to get out of his cuts. Routes where he's supposed to get out in three steps, he's getting out in five. And since then, he's been working day after day after day. I've been tracking this guy. He has his pop back. He also is getting in and out of his breaks. This is a guy that can 
go out there and catch the back shoulder. And this is what that offense is missing. When you got, when you have a running game, all you need is that guy that can beat one-on-one coverage, the, the slant route, the stop route, the goes. You guys hear me say that over and over again. He is the traditional X receiver. Now, I like how they're easing him in with this practice squad approach because he definitely needs to get back into a rhythm. But I'm not expecting a lot, but I do expect him to get three or four plays in a game where he can definitely contribute. All right, well, the Ravens also made a trade with the Vikings yesterday, acquiring pass rusher Yannick Ngakwe for two draft picks. Ngakwe, one of only six players with at least eight sacks and 14 quarterback hits in each of the last four seasons. It's impressive. Nick, what would you make of the uh, Ravens adding Ngakwe? It's another great move for Baltimore, and I'll explain why in just a moment. But first, just to quickly respond to Brandon, because I'm not as high on Dez as he is. If Dez still, in his years out of football, has his reflexes as sharp as Brandon's are, to where mid-take he can bat away a small child out of camera view and just continue delivering that, if Brandon hasn't lost a single step, and so if Dez has done the same thing, he's going to be a big addition for Baltimore. Now, on the Ngakwe move. In seriousness, the Ravens in the last 13 months, Warren Sharp pointed this out yesterday, have totally remade their defense. They added Derek Wolf, Calais yep. Campbell, and now Yannick Ngakwe to the defensive line. They added LJ Fort and drafted Patrick Queen to the linebacking core, and they added Marcus Peters midseason last year to the secondary. That's six new defensive starters added in the last 13 months. I do wonder, Jenna, if the Ravens, after the Chiefs whooping them and then seeing, okay, if the approach is going to be, you know, rush three or four, drop seven against Kansas City, if they said, well, if that's what we're going to do, we need to add to that rush by another guy who can get home without a blitz, and Ngakwe is certainly that. I think this is a great, great move for Rich Baltimore, get richer. adding a tremendous player. Yeah. Yep. Ravens shoring up an already great defense. Uh, talking the big NFC West showdown this weekend. Now, Russell Wilson and those undefeated Seahawks traveling to Arizona, taking on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Russ, your league leader for MVP, 19 touchdowns, only three picks, and a new baby that he and Ciara just named Win. I mean, if that is not the recipe for MVP, then have another baby and name the baby MVP. Mike Vick back with us now. Mike. Should the Seahawks be on upset alert as road favorites against the Cardinals this weekend? Absolutely, they should be on upset alert because Kyler Murray is dangerous. Oh. You're looking at a guy who, who's getting better with each and every step, growing more confidence with each and every win, each and every day. And I had a chance to speak to Kyler over the summer, and I knew that he was going to be what he turned out to be this season so far. Um, and, you know, when you play against a guy like Russell Wilson, somebody who looks like you, plays like you. you, you Kyla probably grew up, you know, wanting to be like, you know, uh, Russell Wilson and emulate his game after him. He looks just like him. So it's going to be a lot of motivation going into this game to, to beat the guy that you, you grew up, uh, you know, idolizing yeah. as, as a player. And, and I can see, you know, so many similarities on both sides. So he'll be motivated. The Cardinals are a good football team offensively, and I think Kyler Murray could beat any team in the league. 
Yeah, Mike, I'm with you. Absolutely, they should be on upset alert. And and you guys got to remember, this is my pick. I picked the Seattle Seahawks yeah. to go to the Super Bowl. But this is a scary game. I wouldn't call it a trap game for them because Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, and those guys on that defensive side, like those linebackers, they do a great job of approaching every day, every week the same. Like they're trying to knock your head off. They're trying to put up 40 points. Like they do a great job throughout the week of preparing. So it's not a trap game, but it's a game where when you look at the matchup, it's, it's a, it gets a little funky. They have the worst defense in the NFL, and they're giving up so many yards in the back end. They, and then on the offensive side, you're going against a top-five offense that can do it all. The quarterback can rush for 100 yards. And then you have DeAndre Hopkins where all you got to do is just throw it anywhere on the field, and he'll probably come down with it. And then old man Larry Fitzgerald doing what he does in a run game and also uh, going down the middle. So for that reason, I think the Seattle Seahawks need to be on alert. But think about this. We're talking about Russell Wilson and MVP. You just mentioned it, Jenna, and we talk about it every single time, and I know I always do. Isn't this the game where he's going to show why he's the MVP? He, this is the game where he have to put up, he, he'll have to put up 35, 40 points. This is the game yep. where he's going to have to do it again, those two-minute drills. So I'm excited to watch Russell Wilson step into this moment. Now watch this. There's a lot of guys, and Vic, you talked about it earlier. Nick asked you the question, well, what are you looking at when you evaluate a quarterback? You talked about those pressure moments. Russell Wilson, there's nobody better. And this is where greatness is on display because you're going to see Russell Wilson rise to the occasion. He just does it. He embraces it. I remember one day I asked him the question, I'm like, Russ, so tell me about this two-minute thing. Like, man, like, why do you want to be in two-minute all the time? He said, Brandon, that's where greatness happens. He said, I, I, if, it, if every game it came down to a two-minute drive, I would sign off on that. This dude is special. So here's the only – you're right about that, Brandon, in that the Seahawks, not just this year, but over the last few years – have broken all the statistical models on how often you're supposed to win close games. They are the best close late team in the league, and that's because of three. That's because of Russell Wilson, and by the way, he's been that guy since the moment he walked into the league. His, first, his second year in the league, he won the Super Bowl. Everybody knows that. His first year in the league, he was down 20 points at halftime of a playoff game, and with 90 seconds left against the Falcons, his team had the lead. Like, he, he brought them all the way back in that game before a field goal beat him. Like, he has been a consistent big game, big spot performer from the word go, whether it was at NC State, Wisconsin, or Seattle. But your point, I think, is the best one of this is one of the reasons he's such a favorite to win the MVP. And Wilds, you talked about this earlier this week, is because he, they're never taking the air out of the ball. They always got to go score. Yeah. They always got to keep putting mm -hmm. up points. It's why, gambling alert, my favorite bet of the week this week is over 56 in Cardinal Seahawks. Because I think this is a 35-31 game at a minimum. I don't think either team's going to be able to stop the other one. But Wilds, I want to throw something to you real quick. Because you said something off the air that not a lot of people have been mentioning. Quietly in that Cowboys game, Kyler struggled a bit. He was unbelievable with his legs. The Cardinals scored 38 points. But he was, I think, 9 of 24 passing. Ky I think, this, I think the Cardinals are going to win. But for the Cardinals to win, 
Kyler's got to snap back into around that 65-70% completions against a very porous Seattle secondary. Yeah, he, he completed 37% of his passes for 188 yards. So this is the rare Kevin Wilds uh, championship belt game. Here's the theory, Nick. Sometimes people get labeled, Cliff Kingsbury, for example, offensive genius. Well, okay, buddy, you don't get to keep the championship belt throughout your entire life. You just put up a stinker in Dallas who has a terrible uh, defense. Now you got Seattle, who's given up 370 air yards. You got to put your title belt on the line here, buddy. If, if Kyler Murray throws for less than 200 <laughs> yards against a defense that's given up 471 yards total, you lose your belt. You lose your belt, and you know what? You got to lose your mansion too. You got to move into a small condo in Phoenix. That's it. You can't go up against a defense that has given up almost 500 yards and not put pedal yep. to the metal and still leave and be like, ah, I'm still an offensive genius. You got to do something here. And Brandon, it's a big Achilles heel for this team. It's half a team. And it's the, like Steelers are great offense, defense. All these teams are great offense, defense. Chiefs are great yeah. offense, defense. Seattle, the worst defense in the league. And we're like, oh, yeah, I'll probably go to the Super Bowl. With the worst defense in the league, <laughs> I think this is going to – I think Seattle's going to get exposed good point. here, and no one should be surprised. I, you know, Listen, I don't think they'll get exposed because of what they have on the offensive side, but you, you are 100% right. They can't get after the quarterback. They have no pass rush. Um, on the back end, they have five or six guys in and out of that lineup. They're beat up back there, and then also they're predictable. Mike, you know this. You played against Seattle. They're running the same defense that you went against. You can pull out your, your 2010 scouting report when you played against the Seattle Seahawks, and I don't even know if you played against them in 2010, but I'm saying that because you'll pull it out and you're like, well, three by one, they do this. Two by two, they do this. If it's first down, 75%, like you know what the Seattle Seahawks do, and you can actually you can you can put them in a position you want them to, and that's what the good offenses do. I think that this this uh, Kyler Murray led offense will do a phenomenal job against them because they are banged up and they don't have the personnel. Yep. All right, Seattle, one of three undefeated teams in the league. The other two undefeateds going head-to-head -head Sunday, Titans and Steelers. Can Big Ben follow up last week's big win with another big game? I call that a big tease. It's next. This is First Things First. From WWE Thunderdome, a special airing of SmackDown on FS1. Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, the final stop before their Hell in a Cell I Quit match. An all-new SmackDown, live at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, on FS1. Get fired up. All right, Mike Vick back with us. We're talking Sunday's AFC Showdown. On one side, the undefeated Steelers. On the other side, the undefeated Titans. This just the fifth time undefeated teams have faced off this late in the season. Guys, get this. The winners of those previous four matchups went on to the Super Bowl. How about that? Mm. So, Brandon, who wins this pivotal AFC matchup to stay undefeated, Steelers or Titans? The Steelers win, Jenna. That front seven, and Nick loves them. He thinks they're number one in the league. I think they're number two behind 
the, the Tampa Bay Bucks. But this front seven does it all. They stop the run, which means what? You're going to stop Derrick Henry. And then also, in the pass game, they get to the quarterback because of their blitzes. They create so many one-on-ones. This front seven is unbelievable. They're nasty. And when you think about what the Titans do well and running the ball and setting up everything else, there comes a time when you play these games and then there's games within games. And I had some nasty defenses that I played on. And defensive linemen, they take it personal. If you rush over 100 yards on them, they take it personal. Mike Vick, you know this. If these guys can get going, you're going to see the Pittsburgh Steelers getting frustrated, getting mad, but I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think this front seven dominates the Titans, especially with their tackle. Taylor just going down with ACL. Um, it's going to be all bad for the Titans, and this is a team that I really like. I like the Titans. I like what they have. They're a contender in my book, but they're not going to get it done against Pittsburgh, Mike. The Steelers definitely win if it's one game that the Steelers will get up for so far. It'll be this game. And the one thing I know about the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin, when you have a team that comes in and their offense is predicated on running the football, you know, as they, the Tennessee Titans will try to do with Derrick Henry, they get up for games like this. Like Brandon said, the front seven, you know, they'll be ready for Derrick Henry. You know, they'll be, you know, looking to smack him around all day and get the ball back to the offense and, on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, they just got some weapons emerging and, and Chase Claypool with Deontay Johnson and, and Big Ben is, is using these guys correctly. So with the offense clicking, the run game clicking, um, you know, Big Ben playing some of his best football and being happy to be back. Now, I don't see the Tennessee Titans having a chance to win this game primarily because they're going to wow. stop Derrick Henry in the wow. run game of the Tennessee Titans and that'll lead to everything else. Okay, so... These two teams are remarkably similar as far as what their profile is leading into this game. It's not just they're both 5-0. and Both of them have four wins against horrible opposition, have played one game against a good team, and whooped that good team. For Pittsburgh, it was whooping Cleveland, a four-win team. And for the Titans, it was whooping Buffalo, a four-win team. Both of them recently lost a key player to injury. For the Steelers, it was inside linebacker Devin Bush, who's taken on that Ryan Shazier role. And for the Titans, right. it's left tackle Taylor Lewan. So, And both of these teams right now are built, theoretically, we, we think about them as being built around their defense. But I don't think the Titans actually are. And I, I'm about to show you a blind reveal here. I promise it's real, but I don't believe it. <laughs> I made it, and I don't believe it, okay? Here's two quarterbacks. I think we would both agree those are MVP caliber numbers. Let's show who those are. One of them is literally Aaron Rodgers, the last time he won league MVP. And the other one is Ryan Tannehill, since he took over as the starting quarterback for the Titans. Look at his numbers. 70%, 35-7 to seven touchdown yep. interception. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. So, Wilds, at some point, I'm yes. going to have to just believe that Ryan Tannehill was always good and that Adam Gase is just so historically bad that what we saw from him in Miami is the fault of the coach. Because 
I, the, we're yeah. now a full season's worth of starts, and he's putting up prime Aaron Rodgers numbers. If that's who Tannehill yeah. actually is, then the Titans not only can compete with the Steelers, but can beat them, Wilds. They can beat him, yeah. But the Titans also have a sneaky bad defense. It's so bad that in practice, Mike Vrabel's like, you know what? Suit me up. I'm going to have to get in and be hands-on on the defense. There's videos of him, like with uh, Eric Ebron's jersey on, like, all right, I'll be it. So, like, let's really play here, guys. They've got, they're averaging five, they're giving up 5.1 uh, rushing attempts. No, yards per rush. Come on, Wilds. 30th in the league. They're last in third down conversions. They're last in stopping things in the red zone. It, they're really bad. Now, on the flip side, Brandon, your Steelers, who I know you have a totally, you know, neutral analysis of, just so happens you're from Pittsburgh, but the defense <laughs> is not only good, they're historically good. Look at, they're, they're getting yep. to the quarterback, they're causing turnovers, they're as good as the 85 Giants. And I know you can look at the stats, but I also want you to pay attention to Bill Belichick's red starter jacket. I'm headed to eBay right <laughs> after the show to pick this up. So, Mike... <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I think the Titans are going to get rolled here. I think the Steelers' defense is even better than people realize. Well, the Steelers' defense have, have about, you know, I think six or seven first-round picks, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, yep. they, they've been used correctly from, from Bud Dupree to the trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, a guy who I think really helped catapult this defense to being one of the top defenses. You know, it's Troy Palomalu back there all over again. If you give Mike Tomlin the safety, oh, nice. uh, a great safety, that he used him the right way, I think it just makes the defense even better. So, you know, it's guys all over the field for the Pittsburgh Steelers who can run from sideline to sideline and make plays all over the field. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. On the defensive side, that front seven, we were talking about it, you know, and we may be talking about a little too much, but Hayward and Tuit, Watt, Dupree, those guys get it done in a run game and a pass game, and that's rare. Sometimes guys just want to get after the quarterback. That's all they want to do, and they stand down when it comes right. to the run. But on the offensive side, and in that video you just showed, Wilds, is interesting because that is their X factor, is coach. That coach is doing a, a hell of a job. He's one of the smartest coaches out there, and has definitely been highlighted since last week and those, those key decisions he made uh, to get his team down there. But this is a point of emphasis. This is why that's important. It's not that he's out there having fun, but he knows that he has Big Ben coming in. He has Claypool, who, Mike, who you just talked about. This is how they're getting it done in the passing game. They're running the ball. But they're able to average five yards a carry. So what does that create? One-on-one -on -one yeah. matchups. Big Ben loves throwing the back shoulder. So what he's doing is reiterating to his team, they cannot beat us this way. DBs, you have to play big this week. You can't do this. So I love Coach Vrabel. To me, he is an X factor because how he coaches. Go ahead, Jenna. All right, I'm going to jump ahead, in. I just want to ask you this. We talked about the, 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 the Steelers front seven. We talked about the Titans and the lack of defense and all of it. We talked about Tannehill. Are we all sold now on Big Ben? Has Big Ben turned the corner? He was a little rusty That's when he started. Are we oh. now all confident we're getting the Big Ben from years past? I mean, can, can he run this offense right up to the Super Bowl? That's a no, question for this I'm guy. Not, I'm not so well, Everybody yet. else yeah, is. That's, why that's I'm a question for that guy. That's why I'm answering it. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I'm <laughs> talking. Uh, so, listen. I said before the year, if Big Ben doesn't show his age and the ill effects of the injury, this could be the second yeah. best team in the AFC. Thus far, he's checked both those boxes. 
He's looked good. The defense has been even better than last year, and that's why I believe right now the Steelers have, have leapfrogged the Ravens as the Chiefs' biggest competition in the AFC. But right. it's a long season for an old man. And so I just need to see Big Ben playing in November oh. and December before I think you totally put those concerns to rest. But right now, right now, Jenna, I believe the Steelers are the second best team in the entire NFL. I think they have shown that through five, five games of the season. That is a big admission from Nick. All right, two teams who wish they were playing the way the Titans and Steelers are Niners and Patriots. Jimmy Garoppolo making his grand return to England. For the first time since getting shipped out, storylines aplenty. Next, first things first. Let's talk some <laughs> Patriots. New England coming off a shocking upset loss to the Broncos last week. Cam Newton and that Patriots offense had, I mean, they had nothing going. And that's me being generous. They now sit nothing. in third place okay, in the AFC East with an old friend coming to town Sunday. Not Wilds. He's not coming to town. Close, though. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kevin Wilde, same jawline, but different works than they do for a living. Mike Vick what? joins us now. All right, Mike, let's get serious. You expect Cam and the Patriots offense to finally start clicking Sunday against this 49ers defense. Is it all going to now come together for them? Well, I'm expecting it to all come together, and I think uh, the pandemic effect uh, had a uh, effect on a, the New England Patriots last week. They didn't have guys practicing, guys in and out of the lineup. Cam probably wasn't feeling as healthy uh, as he probably is this week. Uh, and we expected them to still go out and beat the Denver Broncos team, and it didn't happen. Uh, on the other hand, the San Francisco 49ers defense, uh, they'll have some confidence after beating the Rams last week. And it's going to take a complete effort, not just from Cam, but from everybody. Uh, to pull this thing together and find a way to beat the 49ers this week. And like I said, I expect other guys to step up. It's not going to be an easy game. But this is the time for the New England Patriots to, you know, rip off a couple wins, you know, maybe two or three wins. And this is the time of the season where you get rolling and you start to compile some wins. So this is the perfect game for that. It's not going to be easy by any stretch. But I'm looking at Cam to show us what he showed us in week one and week two when he came out lights out and uh, had some great games. So uh, this is going to be on Cam. This is going to be on the entire offense. The defense has played well, but they got to put it all together uh, this Sunday. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. This is the game, and it's for one reason. I'll be quick here, Nick. It comes down to this. This is it. The strength versus the weakness. On offense in New England, their number two rushing team in the league. They can get it done there. In San Francisco, they can't stop the run. The interior D-line is just average at best. So for me, when I look at what Josh McDaniels does, it's like, how do we exploit this team's weakness? Expect them to run the ball over and over and over again. Expect Cam Newton to be on quarterback draws. Expect them to have so many different type of formations and, and motions that do the same exact thing. It's going to be the same thing. Run right, run left, right up the middle. That interior defensive line in San Francisco, they just can't get it done. And you can also say they're undersized. So I think they get it. They get back on track offensively. I think Cam Newton looks better. I think they protect Cam Newton when he does pass. I, I like this matchup for uh, the New England Patriots. Okay, I do too. But I would be lying to you if I told you I wasn't slightly nervous. 
And I'm not going to hit the panic button if we lose this game because, to be honest with you, as a Patriots fan my whole entire life, I threw my panic button away and, uh, when we got Bill Belichick, and I need to get a new one. The panic, it, was a, it was an analog <laughs> panic button. Now they make digital panic buttons. So here's the thing. I'm running out of excuses, guys, if we don't win. We, we lost by, to the Seahawks by a yard. I was like, yeah, we lost a yard. Then the JV Patriots lost to the Chiefs. I'm like, fine. And then we had the COVID chaos last week. I'm like, okay. But if we lose this one, I'm going to go to Home Depot and, and, and have to get a panic button. But I don't think we do, Nick, because I assume that Bill Belichick takes out his notebook on Jimmy G. And he said so many nice things about Jimmy G. That's but if he goes to the back of the notebook, it's like, aha, you get, you get the evil genius, Bill Belichick. You do have weaknesses, no, Jimmy. And I don't say them publicly, but I hold them in a cauldron. And it's very Halloween right. theme in that part of his office, Nick. So I assume Belichick will know the secrets <laughs> to get into Jimmy G's head. And win again. So that, that, to me, is the angle of this game. I know it says on the screen, do I expect Cam and the Pats offense to start clicking? My honest answer is I'm not sure. You guys know I believe in Cam, but I also, I don't think we really have totally worked in, and I don't think we really know how much actually getting COVID affects different guys. To cross sports for a moment, mm -hmm. everyone crushed Russell Westbrook for his performance in the bubble. How much of that was the fact that he had COVID? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Some guys certainly get it. They're asymptomatic. They should, they're fine, and they keep it moving. So I don't know what Cam's going to look like. I do expect, though, Jenna, the Patriots' defense and those defensive coaches, most notably Belichick, to know exactly how to rattle Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that is the key to this football game and to the Patriots getting back to 500, Jenna. All right, well, then let's shift gears to another former New England quarterback, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Bucks quarterback was asked yesterday, remember this about not shaking Nick Foles' hand following the Week 5 loss in Chicago? You know the one when Tom forgot the downs. You know the one. Uh, here's Tom, what he had to say. Take a listen. Is there a reason why you didn't seek Nick Foles out after the Bears game and headed for the locker room? There's been some folks wondering about that, and I want to see if you could clear that up. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So I, I think Nick Foles is a hell of a player and a uh, Super Bowl champ, and I don't know one reason or another why I wouldn't do that. But um, – I don't know. Some, sometimes I've run off the field. Sometimes I haven't. Um, sometimes if I have a personal relationship, um, like I have with Drew and Justin and, um, and uh, uh, Aaron over the years, I don't know. I don't think it's anything in particular other than I have great admiration for Nick and, and uh, he's a hell of a player. They're off to a great start. So, Nick, I'll start with you. You <laughs> buying what Tom Brady's selling? All right, so I do, you guys know, I bend over backwards to give Tom Brady the benefit of the doubt. So in Tom's defense, and he maybe didn't want to say it there, he might have thought it was halftime. And so I do think that's in play. But if that's not it, even our guy Michael Vick, the next day, and Vic adores Tom, said, come on, man, that's a bad look. And the, the way I think you compound that bad look is by not being forthright about it. I, I don't think, I, if he would have said, yeah, listen, here's the deal. I hate losing. I was mad the way we lost, and I wasn't thinking about Nick. 
I just wanted to get to the locker room. And then after the fact, I realized I didn't even go, I didn't even go shake his hand. Yeah. You know, I sent him a text, my bad. I, then it's not on the show. Then no, I mean, this is an older story. It's on the show because somehow he hadn't been asked about it. But then to me, Mike, he's not being forthright there. It reminds me of, uh, if you, to college basketball, Coach K has an amazing tendency of the rare times Duke loses, those post-game handshakes are like this. But a Duke wins, oh, especially if it's a heartbreaker for the other team, Coach K will lean in and give the other coach a dissertation on what happened. And it's like, yeah, that's not exactly <laughs> coincidental. And so I, it is hard for me to believe Brady's explanation, and I don't know why he didn't just say, hey, man, I was angry, I was upset, I wanted to get the hell out of there, and, you know, I'll let my work speak for itself, because I don't buy what he's selling there, Mike. Yeah, I think Tom Brady's facial expression and, and his body language in that interview kind of says it all. Now, I'm, I'm not going to go off the cuff and say something that I don't know, but and just looking at it at first glance, I don't know, Tom. Like, you know, at the end of every game, every quarterback finds a way to the opposing team quarterback to, to shake their hand or to give some form of a congratulations. It can go either way. And, uh, you know, Tom had just went through a lot. He got beat up that game. Not making any excuses. He got beat up that game. You know, he had the fourth quarter, uh, you know, incident where, you know, he thought it was, you know, an extra down. He thought it was fourth down. You know, um, can't really give him a pass on that. But, you know, I think that that was something that he was thinking about. Like, right then and there, like, your mind can get, you know, out of whack. You can get discombobulated yeah. because you know you just made a, a mistake that's going to be talked about for a long time, and then you got to face the music. Mike, don't. Uh, so I just think he was all that. over the place. But you still got to find, you still got to find Nick. You still got to find Nick Foles, shake his hand, yes. congratulate him, and get up out of there. And that didn't happen, so we can't give Tom a pass on that, man. You got to be forthright. No, you know what? Brandon, I've said it multiple times. You know what I don't like? Halfway measures. I don't like sometimes I yeah. shake hands, sometimes I don't. Go the, you gotta go the yeah, whole way. That's right. If I was Tom Brady, like, you know what? No more shaking hands, period. Ever again. Never going to shake yep. hands. Win or yeah. lose. <laughs> competitor. Not only, yep. not only yeah. to the final bell, to, to the, to the yeah. entire next, to the entire season. Yeah. Never shaking hands. That's it. <laughs> I think that would be a savvier move than just being like, ah, I forgot about him. I forgot there was a quarterback on the other team. Uh, you got yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. I agree with you guys. And, Nick, this is the only Tom Brady take that I agree with you on. For some reason, you find <laughs> a way to crush Tom Brady. And so, But this one, there's no. a lot of validity behind what you're saying. Like, Tom Brady knew exactly what he was doing. Tom Brady just needs to sit, sit up and admit that he can be a sore, losers at, a sore loser at times. Right. Come on, we know that. We've seen you win at a historical high. You barely lose. Yeah. And the times, and you said this, Nick, the times that you lose, you have shown that you just you don't take yeah. it well. So, Tom, if you just lean right. into it and be like, look, guys, this is one of my weaknesses. I mean, you're super supermodel wife. You got TB12, you're writing books, you're launching supplements. Exactly. I mean, right. you won six su Super Bowls. Right. Come on, everybody has a weakness. This is just your weakness, Every, exactly Tom. Just right. embrace it. It would humanize him. <laughs> it would humanize him, and we wouldn't be killing him for it. And the only yeah. thing you said that I take exception to is you said, I'm always looking for ways to kill Tom Brady. Guys, I'm the only one that gave him a plausible oh. explanation. 
It is in play, Jenna. He thought it was halftime, and you don't shake hands at halftime. And so I'm the only one that gave him an off-ramp, and again, yeah. I'm the Tom Brady hater. Once again, even, I mean, I'm trying to help the guy out, Jenna. Michael Vick, thank you so thank much you for hanging out today. Thanks, Enjoy Mike. a great weekend of football. Still to come, can Kyler Murray and the Cardinals end Seattle's perfect start on Sunday? We'll break it down next. First things first. Wednesday night, the Rays battled back to tie the World Series in a game of peace, setting the stage for a pivotal Game 3 with the Dodgers. And that takes place tonight at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, only on Fox and the Fox Sports app. It is now time for Stories to Start Your Morning, sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve. And we're talking the big NFC We Showdown this weekend. Russell Wilson, NFC West Showdown. Russell Wilson and the undefeated Seahawks traveling to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray. And the Cards, both quarterbacks, came into this season with MVP hopes. Brandon, I'll start with you. Should the Seahawks be on upset alert as road favorites against the Cards? They should. And this is an interesting game. Yesterday, oh. Nick, you rolled out your tears in the NFL. And you had a tear that said, flaw yep. but dangerous. And there was two teams yep. that I thought should, been, should have gone to the next tier. The first team was the, the Rams. I think this team is doing something they haven't done since they, the year they, they went on that run um, and running the football the way they sure. are, best in franchise history. And then the other team was the Cardinals. To me, this is that team at the end of the year in December, we're going to look at it and be like, man, they just ran, won how many games in a row? They just won six. Eight. This is the hot team. There's always that team. There's always that Cinderella team. Last year, it was the Tennessee Titans. This year, I truly believe yep. it could be this team. They're dangerous. Offensively, top five offense, and they can do it all. They're running back. Their quarterback, excuse me, he can go for 100 yards. And then you have D-Hop, who could be one of the, the best receiver in the league, and all you got to do is throw it up to him. He's a dog. And on that defensive side, that's not the Legion of Boom. That Richard Sherman is not nope. there. We know that. Those guys aren't coming back in, in that building and helping out this historical bad defense. They are the worst, not only in the NFL, but they're probably going to do something wild that the NFL has never seen before. They're so bad. So when you look at this, I don't think it's a trap game because the Seattle Seahawks and Pete Carroll do a great job of getting their teams prepped and ready to roll. Every day is the same. But this matchup is an interesting one. And the last thing here, Nick, is MVP, this whole MVP discussion. Isn't this the game for Russell Wilson to show us that he is the MVP? Because you got to think sure. about this potentially being a shootout, putting up 35 points, 40 points, going down to the last minute again. But historically, he's yep. he is the best in the NFL, in NFL history, actually, to do it, to come those comeback wins, games on the line, getting it done. But this is the time for Russell Wilson to solidify that I am MVP because it's not going to be an easy game. Okay. Okay. So I agree with a lot of what you said, and I am going to do something I hate to do, which is I'm going to be a terrible teammate right now. Because oh, here's great. what Brandon Marshall has done over the last one hour and 52 minutes. Brandon Marshall has made sure that on Monday morning when we discuss this game, yes. he gets to yes. say, I told you so. He has made, he has made this whole case for Arizona. 
So if they win, he can be like, told you, while still talking about Russ is the MVP and he's going to do this. So if the Seahawks win, he can be like, and this is why I picked Seattle to go to the Super Bowl. It is strategic. It is obvious. And I'm making sure America knows. That's point one. Point two is this. Seattle has been living dangerously. Wilds keeps bringing up, and he's right, how close the Patriots came to beating them. We forget about it, but the Seahawks were trailing to the Cowboys and needed a fourth down conversion or else they would have lost that game. And we all know how the Minnesota game went, where if Minnesota can get six inches, the game is over. And even after they don't get those six inches, Russ had to complete two fourth down conversions or else they would have lost that game. So they have been living dangerously. And I think this is the week it bites them. You, I think they do yep. lose to Arizona. I think they should be on upset alert, and I think they will be upset. And the comp I use for the Seattle team wilds because the defense is so bad is the 2018 Chiefs. Historic offense, MVP quarterback, defense kept everyone in games. I think this game is going to have a feel of that Monday night classic Chiefs-Rams, where it's just every time you get the – there's no punts – Score, 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 score. I don't know if it's going to be 51-45. I didn't mean to do finger guns there. My apologies. I don't know if it's going to be 51-45, but I do think it could be 45-41. I think the over is the bet of the weekend, and I think Kyler and the, C and the Cardinals pull it out because the Seahawks, especially until they get Jamal Adams back, Wilds, this defense has been keeping teams in games all year long. Yeah. yeah, well, if you say your comp is Rams Chiefs, my comp is a sneakerhead with a pair of off-white Jordans that cost $2,000, and the rest of the outfit costs a collective $12. Wow, one part of your outfit is really amazing, and the rest is absolutely <laughs> terrible. And that's what the Chiefs are. I'm not the Chiefs. I didn't mean to throw That's what the Seahawks are. They're giving up 471 yards a game. They're giving up 370 yards to the air. So, Kyler Murray, if you throw up... 350 yards, you had a bad game against the Seahawks. And Cliff Kingsbury, I know that you're the offensive genius. You're, you're the architect of the air raid, or you're the continuing the air raid. You're a madcap scientist of offense. Well, you know what? Your quarterback at 188 yards against the woeful Dallas Cowboys defense. You have to light this defense up, or you lose your title of mad science offensive genius. And... As a brutal bonus, but this is the way it works, folks. You have to sell your mansion and get a small condo in Tucson. That's the way it works. What? You have to no. be able to light this defense up or you lose two you things. Lose it. You're, well, you're too, sorry, Jen. That's just the way it is. That's the, in the bylaws. I, just real ahead, quick, Nick. Wilds, you mentioned Kingsbury. I do think this game is going to have a big 12 feel to it. Like Kyler at Oklahoma okay. or Kingsbury at Texas Tech, where it's all offense on both I sides. I did the finger guns again. Right. Uh, let's What's talk wrong? a little Thursday night football last night. Eagles and Giants. Check out this play from the third quarter. Daniel Jones takes oh. off. Nothing oh. but... Oh. Uh, yikes. <laughs> Green grass as far as the eye could see until he trips over nothing. Sorry, Daniel Jones. Uh, he got 80 yards. He needed 88 for the touchdown. Brandon, when you look at this play, would you consider this 80-yard run a highlight or a low light out of Danny Dimes? This is definitely a low light, and it could have been lower if they didn't score on this possess the next possess on, the on on this drive. Like this is bad. But at the same time, I didn't know 
if I should cheer for him or be embarrassed because he did something elite. I think this is the fastest time by any quarterback in the last couple years or something. Faster than Kyler, who we just talked about. Faster than Lamar Jackson. Faster than I've ever run. The fastest I ever ran in the NFL was actually when I played for the New York Giants towards the end of my career, and I clocked like 20.4. Coach Aaron Wellman said, oh, here you go. Here's what the GPS did. This quarterback hit 21.8, and I'll have to take up for him just a little bit. Because for me, I always struggled in the open field because I wasn't that type of route receiver that had that breakaway speed. So it was it was uncomfortable for me when there was nobody around me and there was one play in particular on Monday Night Football playing against the Jets. Antonio Cromartie's chasing me. I just ran out of bounds and I looked like I was running like a duck. So <laughs> Danny Dimes, bruh, this is bad, but I feel you. I feel you. Well... Nick, you know what time it is. It's time for the return of a, one of America's famous games. What will Joe Judge do? What will Joe Judge do? We know that he famously had several uh, great taping tennis balls to the people's hands and uh, yep. jumping on the ground with slip and slide. So what should yeah. Joe Judge do to make sure this doesn't happen laugh. again? Number one, take everyone on the rockaway and run in the sand. Number two, log rolling expedition. And number three, a treadmill up to 50 and you're running like Chad Johnson. Which drill should Joe Judge do to make sure this doesn't happen again? I think running in the sand's a good one, Wilds. But by the way, our great social media executive producer, Lori Reyes, just sent me the play Brandon's talking about. I got it on my phone right here. <laughs> oh, Brandon is far too nice. Brandon Marshall whoops Antonio Cromartie on a route. It's a corner route, and his momentum carries him out of bounds. He doesn't rumble and bumble and stumble like Daniel Jones does here. So Brandon's He's a too man. nice. He's a nice this man. is a low light, Jenna. Yes, he is. <laughs> Guys, we got to play a little Take Your Pick. World Series Game 3 tonight. Series all tied up. Who wins the pivotal Game 3, Dodgers or Rays? Nick, take your pick. All right, I don't want to be too specific here. So I'm going to say Dodgers win 4-2, to two. Walker Bueller goes 7, gives up two earned runs, uh, Mookie Betts scores one run, you bet the under, you bet the Dodgers, you give yourself a nice little cushion for this weekend going into football. Dodgers win 4-2, Walker Bueller plays great. I love it, I love it, Dodgers win, Bueller gets it done. Hey, he's only given up four runs all postseason, Wilds. Dodgers win, Mookie Betts with another big game is going to win MVP of the World Series, and Red Sox fans are going to keep crying across the globe.